there we go. It's recording. Okay, so now I gotta share my screen back. Okay. All right, here we go. All right, so we are on um, Reformation and Counter-Reformation chapter. Um, we are going, so, so far we've, um, we've covered um, for the last um, nine or 10 weeks or so, we covered the origin of the Bible, where we looked at the Old and New Testament and looked at various canons, um, looked at how the Bible gained acceptance throughout, throughout the church age. Um, we talked about the importance of being a disciple and to uh, learn and to be a learner of, um, of the Bible and of the scriptures. Um, and um, it's important to know that, you know, we are Christ's ambassadors. So ambassadors, we do not speak on our own behalf. We do not speak on our own accord. Um, and you cannot be an ambassador if you don't know God's word. So you can't be a kingdom ambassador if you don't know the heart of the kingdom or um, what the kingdom is, is representing. So this is why, um, can you hear me? Okay, this is why. Yeah, um, in and out. Okay, um, this is why discipleship is so important. So this class um, is a way to help you build your capacity and equip you to look at God's word and have a fresh um, experience. So, um, so we talked about a few weeks ago about the seven church periods um, of the church, and we got that from um, the book of Revelation, chapters one through three, where Jesus discussed the seven churches. Um, let me put that chart back up here so you can um, have a refresher um, here of the, the seven churches. We talked about it and how each, um, each church um, is a, this is where the churches are understood prophetically. So a proper interpretation um, is that the, the churches, they represent the seven periods of church age. So um, we talked about that a little bit. And so now today we are in the postmodern era and um, it represents the Laodicea church. And um, I encourage you all, like I did last week, to read chapter, uh, Revelation chapter one through three and then try to line it up, you know, as we go through the, the um, as we go through the church periods, you see how they're kind of um, persuade, uh, kind of the same, how they line up together and things like that. So, right. So we kind of covered that. Uh, let me go back to my slide. Okay, here it is. Okay, so. Um, okay, so the churches, like I said, is prophetically, um, when, when the churches are understood prophetically, a proper interpretation is that they represent the seven periods of the church age. So in Matthew 20, 28, 19 to 20, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you even until the end of age. So when we look at that scripture carefully, we understand that Jesus meant at the end of the church age. So um, Jesus, he made this statement 
um, in Matthew 28 in around like 30 AD, and we are in 2019 AD. So we are looking at how the church managed scriptures throughout the, um, the church age. So in the book of Revelation chapters like two and three, you see that Jesus is giving a specific message to the people of the church during a particular um particular period of time so therefore we're looking at how they manage interpretation of scripture throughout the church age so last week we looked at the patristic and, and medieval um, period and how they handle scripture so this week we are um, in the reformation period here so uh, we are this our objective this week is to learn more about the periods of the church and the bible history beyond its new testament period we learn more about the role of the church and plays in uh and the role of the church has played and its impact historically on how we understand what the Bible is saying us today. Um, so in these points here, actually we're gonna look at these next week. Um, when I was putting this together, um, I was convicted to um, cover um, another area so I can build up to this because there's a lot of, even though the book goes into these points, there's a lot of background um, history that you're missing. So um, actually we're gonna talk about today, um, it's called um, the Soles. And um, we're gonna, when I get to it, you'll you understand what I mean by sole. Um, these these uh, principles um, build up to these points here, the Bible and the church, the Bible interprets itself, the Bible authenticates itself, the Bible has a, a single meaning in the Catholic response to these points. So these are, these are the um, kind of the foundations of the Protestant Reformation movement, but there's, there's a lot of history that the author didn't cover to help you all understand when we get to this point, okay? So last week we talked about um, the great uh kind of touched on the great schism so the great schism is when the church was divided and remember that um the church is one unit um it was just present it was presented as one it was a catholic church which means the universal church and so um during that time of 1054 a great schism occurred and i didn't go into detail about the great schism so i'm going to go into detail a little bit of the detail of the great schism so this is called the split of the church so for 1300 years the church has been influenced by a newly found religion called christianity so christianity started in 325 so from 325 to 517 there was one catholic church which was called the orthodox catholic church the universal church. Then in 1054, there was a split in the Orthodox church. Um, so now we have um, two churches. We have the Roman Catholic church and the Eastern Orthodox church. So the mutual excommunication by the Pope and the patriarch in 1054 became a watershed in um, church history. Oh, okay, I noticed something from the second point when I put from 325 to 517. That's the periods that we kind of covered so far. So 325 is part of the uh, medieval period. 517 is now in the Reformation moment. So I should have took that out. I'm sorry, you guys. So I'll make sure I'll correct this slide. Um, so in 1054, it became um, a watershed in the church history. So the excommunication was not lifted until 1965. So this is recently that they finally kind of squashed everything when Pope Paul uh, VI and Patriarch um, Athen uh, Nagoras 
following their historic, historic meeting in Jerusalem in 1964, presided over a simultaneous ceremonies that revoked the excommunication decrees, okay? But it's still, kind of, it's still divided today. So as you see on the map, um, this is how it's divided. So you see, I don't know if you were able to see a red line that's kind of running through um, the map. So on the left side, this is what the Roman Catholic uh, covers. They cover this area here, you know, Spain and part of France, uh, well, France and Germany over, you know, Hungary, England and all that stuff. So, and then on the right side, that's where the Greek Eastern Church um, covers. Um, so they cover kind of the parts of Turkey, uh, Russia and Armenia and, and areas and um uh, that's represented beyond on the right on the on the uh, on the red line. So this is kind of, you know, the areas that they cover as far as like their beliefs. Um, so what caused the split? Um, so the dividing factor was about the Holy Spirit. So this gave rise to misunderstanding and and at last led two widely separate ways regarding defining one important doctrine: the procession of the Holy Spirit from the Father or from the Father and the Son. So let me show you what they mean by that. So the uh, Roman Catholic Church, they believe that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is a hierarchy. They believe that the Father is greater than the Son. They believe that the Son is greater than the Holy Spirit. They believe in that way. But with the Greek Orthodox Church, they believe that they all are one, in which we get the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the, fa so the Father, um, he, his, um, his breath, uh, the Ruach is the Holy Spirit and the words that come out of his mouth is the son. Remember the word, the, uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Um, that's the son. And so, um, they believe in that manner, but the Roman Catholic, they believe that it was a hierarchy. So that kind of caused a split. Um, one of the reasons why there was a split in the church because they could not agree um, with that. Another reason that um, it was a split um, was because uh, they, they couldn't agree with whether or not to serve leavened bread or unleavened bread um, in the ceremony of communion. So the West supported the practice while the East did not. So as you see, it's like the west side versus the east side kind of thing going on. And the last, one of the last points, um, the reason why it was a split, because um, the, uh, the Pope, the, the spiritual leader in Rome had authority over the patriarch um, religious leaders of the east. So um, that the Pope in, the, in Rome, he wanted rule over both sides, east and west. But the east side, they weren't having it. Like, no, we're all, you know, one. They had a council of like uh, the seven bishops that represented, you know, each side. And, but the, the Pope, he wanted to be over everything. And the east side, they weren't having it. So that's what caused the split as well. Okay, so that's kind of, I'm kind of give you kind of a, a bridge uh, version of what caused the split. But this split is so key because now we have the division in the Catholic Church. So now you get the religion of Catholic, uh, which is the Roman Catholic. That's where we get a lot of our influence from. Christianity gets get their influence from. 
So it's, it's very um, important. So let me get my notes here. Okay, good. I'm on, I'm on cue. All right. So um, now we're going to look at the Protestant Reformation. So the Protestant Reformation um, that begins with the work of Martin Luther um, marked a new stage in, in Christian attitudes to the Bible. However, it must not be understood that the Protestant reformers, despite the big split with the Catholic Church, maintained many of the attitudes of their medieval forebearers. So in, your, um, in the Dropbox, there is a, um, a summary of Martin Luther um, now, Martin Luther, he did not work alone. He had other people that kind of, um, that, that he worked together with that influenced this uh, Protestant movement. Um, so Martin Luther, he had issues with one of the interpretation guidelines, harmony between the Bible and church. Remember, we talked about, um, where is it at? Uh, we talked about the last, let's see. Yeah, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Um, the, th the three um, basic assumptions of interpretation. Let me hop to that slide. So it was harmony between the message of the yes, Old Testament and of the New Testament, harmony between the message of the Bible and that of the church, and harmony between sacred and secular. So Martin Luther, he had a problem with the second one, the message between the Bible and that of the church. So remember, um, when we see um, harmony between the Bible and church, it doesn't mean the church as a whole, it means church as the leadership. So whatever the leadership said, um, the Bible was saying, that's what you had to go with. And Martin Luther had an issue with that. And Martin Luther, he was actually a priest himself. He was leadership himself, but he had issues with that because um, he was a priest and then he um, turned into a monk. Now a monk, they, they take a, a vow of poverty. And so he's like, you know, put away to the side. So he's like doing all this studying and in his studying, um, he realized that a lot of the Catholic beliefs and the, their system of how they ran things were against the word of God. So he had um, an issue with that. Um, so his 95 thesis, while he was, while he was a monk um, in Germany, he wrote what is called the 95 thesis, and that's found in your Dropbox as well, which propounds two central beliefs that the Bible is the central religious authority and that humans may reach salvation only by their faith and not by their deeds. So this was to spark the Protestant Reformation. Okay, so let's see, a critical debate will occur with the church during this um, during this period of church and Bible history. So much of our attitudes and expectations about the Bible today was established in this period of church history. Oftentimes, Bible students are surprised to learn that many hallmarks of their faith do not originate in the New Testament or apostolic period. Instead, many things we believe are rooted in the actions taken by the church leaders during post-biblical times of the church. As we said earlier, the key figure during this church period was um, Martin Luther. Uh, let me make sure I'm with my notes. Yep. Um, so there were many other, like I said, biblical scholars that joined Martin Luther in one way or another and speaking out um, to the Protestant movement. Let me make sure I didn't jump ship. Nope, I didn't. Okay. Um, 
So remember the three assumptions um, that I just talked about, the harmony. Um, he, they had problems with that. Um, but it was only... Yeah, okay. So like I said, the second one that they, that they had um, problems with, the unity between the Bible and church. So they didn't want to see the Bible removed entirely from the community of believers. So you, like, I'm, uh, like I told you all last week, the people, they weren't allowed to read scripture for themselves. And so um, a lot of them were illiterate. Um, they could not read. They were, you know, of a, a poor background. So only like the wealthy and only those who, you know, had money had copies of the Bible. Um, at this time. And so we're going to learn um, later on with Martin Luther, um, if you read his bio that's in the, in the um, Dropbox, um, during this time of the Renaissance period, um, they um, invented the, the Gutenberg press. And so because of the press that was, um, that was created, they were able to copy uh, copies of the Bible, and they went against the Catholic Church. They protested. Hence, you got the name Protestant Movement. Movement. They protested against the Catholic Church. So, let me see here. And so, he and other scholars brought about a reform in the Catholic Church in four ways. So, like I said, um, next week we're going to cover these four ways um, in de in detail. Um, and I talked about, I covered the three basic assumptions. So they also had issue, not only Martin Luther, um, with the second one, they, um, they had issues with the second point as well. Um, so the, the, rep, let's see, the reformers were guided by this conviction that the church of their day had drifted away from the essential original teachings of Christianity, especially in regard to what was teaching about salvation, how people can be forgiven of sin through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and receive eternal life with God. The Reformation sought to reorient uh, Christianity on the original message of Jesus in the early church. Uh, I talked about a few weeks ago how the, the Catholic Church believed that you can, you can pay to have your sins forgiven. It's called penance. And the more that you pay, the more that you that that your sin is covered. So in that time, that's when you see, I know you've seen a lot of movies with like the mafia, the Italian mafia, and how they always go to uh, the Catholic church to, to confess their sins. Um, that's kind of like where it, where it came from because the Italian mafia, they were killing folks left and right. And they believed that if I go and confess my sins and give this amount of money to the Catholic church, then I'm cool. And so um, because of this uh, belief in this phenomenon that the Catholic church created, a lot of people were sinning and then paying, you know, paying the Catholic church. And in a result, the Catholic Church, they built the what you see um, in Rome, the big St. Peter's Cathedral, whatever it's called, that was paid with the monies that people were giving to the church or, or whatnot. So, um, and Martin Luther, he saw what was happening um, in that and it really stirred him up and bothered him. And so um, going back to the 95th thesis, um, he wrote it out 
on paper and uh, posted it on the door. So he was in Germany. So he just kind of posted, you know, his points on, you know, how he felt about the Catholic and um, how they were doing business basically. And someone took that sign off the door, went from Germany to Rome to the, the Roman Catholic and told them, hey, y'all got a priest over in Germany that's um, starting some stuff. So when the, uh, when the priest uh, received his 95th thesis, that's when Martin Luther was called to the carpet, okay? So, um, so that's kind of where it kind of started all the, 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 pro, the protesting when he wrote this 95th thesis and it got back to uh, the Roman Catholic Church in Rome. Um, yeah, it kind of started an uproar. So I want to uh, talk about, this class is going to be really short, I see. Yep, some of my last slide. So, uh, so these five points here. So um, the five solas, okay, are five Latin phrases or slogans that emerged during the Reformation to summarize the reformers' theological conviction about the essentials of Christianity. So Martin Luther and his, his team or his group that was um, pro protesting the church, um, the, the, the Catholic church, they stood on these, these grounds here, but there, there were three that, um, that uh, Martin Luther and his team had issues with. So it was the first three. So you got sola scriptura, which means scripture alone, the Bible alone is our highest authority. Sola gratia, grace alone, we are saved by the grace of God alone. I'm sorry, I, I explained this wrong. So these, these are the points that the Protestant movement stands on. They believe in these points here. And I'm going to expand on the first three. So um, this is where their foundation, this is where, um, this is where I guess their, their doctrine kind of stand on. So they believe scripture alone, sola grata is grace alone, we are saved by the grace of God alone. Sola fide is faith alone, we are saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Solus uh, Christus uh, means Christ alone, Jesus Christ alone is our Lord, Savior, and King. And soli deo gloria, um, to the glory of God alone, we live for the glory of God. So the first one, the sola scripta, um, so the Bible alone is our highest authority. The Protestants believe that all doctrine must be directly derived from scripture, but the church um, believes that the interpretation comes from them as well. So this is, this is something that the, the church did not agree with. They said, you know, Martin, I hear you. It does come from Bible, but it also comes from us. So they feel, I think you read it on page 46, they feel that they trump what the Bible is saying. Okay, so the second one was grace alone. Um, Martin Luther says that it is only by grace we are saved. We are dead in our sin and um, God did it just for us. So we are saved solely through faith in Jesus, Jesus Christ because God's grace and Christ's merit alone. So we are not saved by our merits or declare righteous by our good works. God grants salvation, not because of our good things, the good things we do, and, um, and despite our sin, he grants us because of it was, it was grace. It was, um, 
he granted salvation before the foundation of the world. So the Catholic church, they believe that you are saved through your works. So that's why they, um, they had a big emphasis of giving and all that stuff. So, so if you give to the church, if you do all these good things, then you're covered, you're saved through Jesus Christ and all that stuff. Um, but that was not right. Um, so we know in John chapter 14, verse six, it says, for, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your only doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works so that um, no one may boast. For if we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we shall walk with him. So that you, um, I'm sorry, that was in Ephesians 2 and 8. And then in John 14, the 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes uh, to the Father but through me. So you can't get to Jesus Christ through your, your good works. You can't uh, win your salvation uh, through your good works is only through uh, the Father. The only way to get to the Father is what? Through the Son. And so that's what uh, Martin Luther stood on, but the Catholic Church thought another way. Um, and sola fide, we are saved through faith alone in, in Jesus Christ. Um, the church believed that it is faith, it is by faith that you're saved, but you have a choice in your in your salvation so i know a lot of us take the stance that we we think that we decided to um accept jesus christ as our lord and savior but we are already chosen before the foundation of the world whether or not we are going to be saved or not so um the church believe or the Catholic church believe that it is by your faith, but you have free will. You have to, um, you get to cooperate with God um, in the justification mode. So what he means by um, cooperate with God is that, like I said, we, we can choose whether or not, you know, I can be saved or not. We can, we, we have a choice in that manner. But when you really look at scripture, you realize that we never had, we never had a choice. Uh, about salvation. Um, and many people, they believe that today that we have a choice. You know, we, we have our testimony of, oh, the preacher, he opened the doors of the church and I gave God my heart and I decided to give my life to Christ. Your life was already given to Christ. It was just a matter of time for the Lord to reveal it to you, whether or not you belong to him or not. So it was nothing by your doings, it was nothing by your deeds um, that caused for you to walk up there and give your life or whatever. It was just a matter of coming to a realization that God has chosen me um, to be a part of the kingdom of God, to be part, to be one of his, to be saved. Um, so we, we do not have a choice whether we go up or down. On our own accord, we can only go down. So any, any works that we do does not move us up in ranking in salvation. Our, our works are nothing but filthy rags. There's nothing that we can do in our own accord that can save us. And um, we um, were born- me. I think I, I think I lost a little bit of a track with where you were. Are you describing somebody's belief, the church's belief, Martin Luther's belief? What are you describing now? Yeah, I'm describing, I'm, I'm, I'm describing uh, on um, 
the sola fide, and we're saved through faith alone in, in Jesus Christ. So uh, I was saying that many of us, we have a, we think we have a choice whether we, you know, we go up or down or whether we are saved or um, not saved. And it's, it's, it's only when I decide, you know, to, to go. So yeah, that's, that's kind of um, the point of the church as well. And I was saying that a lot of us today stand on that as well. And Martin Luther, he's saying, no, you don't have a choice. It's, it's decided before the foundations of the world. It's just coming to a realization that you've been saved or, or whatnot. So, uh, you know, we have to understand that we were, we were born in sin and we're, and we're shaped in iniquity. And we're only saved unless someone catches us. So the power of God catches us um, and, and, and cleans us up and allows us to be a part of his, his, um, his kingdom, a part of his uh, royal family, okay? Let's see here. Um, there, like I said, we cannot control justification. And so I wanna make sure that we have an understanding of justification. Um, but I think I'm going to go through that next week. Uh, when I was putting this lesson together and reading this, this book, I just came, I just um, had some issues with making sure that you all um, had an understanding of a lot of these doctrines that are out there. And so when, when we think of salvation, um, what, what is your stance when it comes to that? Do you all feel that you had a choice in that? Um, do you feel, um, do you, were you, did you always think that, you know, it was just a matter of time? So I want to hear from you all as far as, uh, as far as your salvation experience, what did you think, you know, occurred? Well, I know that the Bible says that we, um, that he chose us before the foundations of the world. However, um, there is still also plenty of Bible about us having a free will. So we did have to make a decision. Um, so I don't believe that we would have just been automatically saved um, just because we were chosen before the foundations of the world. We yeah. had a part in it. We had to make a decision for Christ just as we do when we walk for Christ, we have to decide that we're going to die to self and live for him. Those okay. are decisions that we make daily. Okay, I'm so glad you said that. Um, many, many of us, we, we, we don't understand justification and sanctification. So justification i wish i had a slide for this but i, I don't so y'all just pray for me so ju justification um is is not controlled by us so like what you said with um with free will and all that stuff we don't have a free will when it comes to choosing christ but we do have a free will whether or not while you're in christ whether or not to go further into discipleship or further into him or dying daily we do have a choice in that um so we were chosen meaning that we were saved before the foundation of the world we don't have a choice in that 
God already decided. So once we're saved in the justification mode, we move into sanctification, which is an ongoing process, which is dying daily, meaning people decide not to die daily, but they're in, but they're in Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like there's in the sanctification mode, it's an ongoing thing. We have a choice. We have a free will in that. But when it comes to God choosing us, we have no say in that. We are either chosen or not. So I think once I'm gonna make sure I, I uh, hit this next week as far as difference between justification, sanctification, and glorification. So once we understand, once we have that skeleton in place, then we're able to understand whether or not we have a free will. You have a free will in Christ. You have a free will whether to grow or to, to stay stagnant in Christ, but you're in it. So that's when I was talking about the first few weeks about rewards. You have a choice to go further in Christ to receive rewards and everybody's gonna have different crowns, everybody's gonna have different rewards, it's because of you deciding to keep sanctifying yourself, keep uh, obeying Christ, keep going into discipleship, you know, pressing forward. Um, and then there's some things that will happen in glorification. That's when you receive your crown in glorification. Mm. Um, but in justification, that's already settled as far as who belongs to Christ or not. It's just coming. It's just a, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, letting you know that you have been chosen. I hope I explained that. Yeah, and that sounds good. It makes sense. Okay, and next week I, I, I want to have think... scriptures for you all so it would yeah. make sense because it took me a while to understand it because I was once um, there where I felt like, you know, I had a choice. I decided I walk up. I decided I said the, the salvation prayer. I had a choice. And it's just like, no, in our sinful nature, there's no good in that. So if, if we're a sinful nature, then how can we decide to go in Christ? You see what I'm saying? Like only God himself can tell you that you belong to him. You don't decide whether right. or not I belong to him. I hope that makes sense. And I, I think, I yeah, think the challenge men here come, but few are chosen. Right. I think, I think the challenge though is that if people, what you're saying though, could, could, it could produce the thought that, hey, I can live whatever life I want to live and I'm just going to wake up in heaven one day or I'm not. Because that, I, I understand what you're saying and that you are chosen. However, the activation of our will is so vital. I don't know if I would put it quite the way you did. Um, because I think the way you put it was, hey, you don't have a choice. You're going to be saved or you're not going to be saved because you're chosen would suggest that there's no point in us living for God. There's no point in anybody making a decision. Those altar calls where you decide to give your life to Christ are meaningless. And that is not um, appropriate as a message for Christianity, I don't believe. Yeah, and I, I see what you're saying. 
And that's why I think that's why I wrestle with this message because a lot of the things that we do in Christianity is incorrect. And I'm going, like I said, next week, I'm going to, to lay it out for you all to show you all that in that you can't, no, you can't live. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to break down what you just said. You can't live any way you want to. And once you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's going to convict you to go further in him. So it's, it's up to you whether or not you yield to the Holy Spirit or not. So that's why you always see people, you see people who are doing, doing things for God and following his will and things like that. But you have other people who are sitting on the sideline, but they believe. You see what I'm saying? So in once you become saved, it is up to you if you to, to yield to the Holy Spirit and do what it is that the Lord is telling for you to do. And so when you talk about altar calls and all that stuff, that's not even biblical. You don't see altars in the church, in the Bible. He came, when he was preaching, he came up to people and asked mm -hmm. if they, if, have, you, have you been saved and all that stuff? And they received Jesus right then and there. We got altar and calls, I think, when we go through the church history, we got altar calls later on. Yeah, and I, I understand that human beings are going to have some rituals that they do. Yeah. We just need to understand ritual versus Bible. Right, and right. Because some right. of those rituals can go too far. Like some rituals turn into we never wear pants. Some rituals turn into a guy can't have an earring in his ear and people treat that like Right, gospel. and that's, that's what we call um, dogma. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, we don't want to try to take away the free will of the human being from that decision for Christ, because there is no the free of, will. Even, there is the, no free will in justification and receiving Christ. There is no free will. But even in the book of Acts, um, Paul and them, they would preach and the Bible says, and many people became believers then yeah so there, there oh, is a decision to believe yeah. no they were all they already believed and because of that word that was preached it ignited them and they realized that they belong to christ so i'm gonna really? I'm, I'm gonna break it down with for you all that's why i didn't want to go any further in his in martin luther's doctrine because i know this is kind of like well, I have a question. Yeah. I, I, okay. Let me just say this um, real quick. I, I think I'm not sure there's much value in trying to make that distinction because people still have to live their lives. They still have to come to that moment. And whether you, whether you tell them they were going to come to that moment one way or the other or, or what, you know, that's not it. They have to live their lives and come mm -hmm. to that point of decision, um, they, they have to come to that belief or that understanding through the preaching and hearing of the word. So nothing changes about their experience. So I'm not sure I even see the value in trying to make that distinction. Okay. I think there's, I think there's value because um, a lot of the stuff we do in the church, we don't know why we do, we just do it. So right. you need to understand what the difference is 
in order to right. understand why you're doing what you're doing or why you're living the way you're living. Brain so correct. I think there's value in it because we already do a lot of stuff. We don't even know why we do it or the history behind it or the true meaning. And if we gain the meaning of it, some of that stuff we realize we shouldn't be doing anyway. Right. So, so I think there's value in it. Um, and I think it needs to be taught so we understand the difference. And right. we, it, will, it will change what we say um, as far as how we receive Christ or if we really received him or if we already had him and we just came to the revelation. So I think it needs to be taught and I think it's very valuable in my opinion. Okay. Yep. Yep. Anybody else? I know this is tough because I know I said once we begin. I did course, have a question. It's going to be tough. Yeah, go ahead. Start talking. Sure, go ahead. But, um, I was reading something this week about John 3.16 um, saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believes in him. And the Greek word so what I was reading was saying that that scripture is actually misinterpreted mm -hmm. uh, because the Greek word for believe is actually means to commit unto. Mm -hmm. Like you have to make a decision to commit unto God, not just believe in him, but you do have to make a decision to live for him. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So Right. And so the believing comes in the justification mode and right. to live for him. It's sanctification mode because you're constantly right. I understand growing. It's yeah, a process. Yeah. yeah, it's a process. You're constantly growing in him. So like I said, once I, I lay the foundation of the difference between justification and sanctification, I think it will clear up a lot of stuff that we've been believing over the year. Because trust me, I didn't get this overnight. I've been chewing on this for years. And so I want you all to ask questions. I want you all to let me know your thoughts. So we can work through this together, okay? So I'm not knocking anybody's beliefs and all that stuff because that's your conviction. I just want I want to, you all to consider this. You know what I'm saying? So to help you all understand what's about to come in this in this uh, class, because this is gonna it's gonna be more stuff that we sitting there we bucking up. I'm telling you, I was struggling with this lesson all day long on teaching it. I was I was struggling with whether or not to say this and say that. Like, oh well, the church they didn't need this, so I'm not gonna. No, you don't want to shoot a code it. Just bring it the way. Right, right. I'm telling you, I was like, literally, it's gonna bring correction and it's gonna cut down some walls. You know, yeah, yeah. And it, it's tough. I, I was fighting all day long. Like I couldn't even focus at work. I couldn't because it's just so much that's being taught in the church that's keeping us in circles. And so we talk about spiritual warfare. This is spiritual warfare as far as the enemy doesn't care about, you know, what you go through and all this little stuff. He, he, he is concerned about getting you confused about God to the point where you're worshiping him incorrectly, when you're reading the word incorrectly, when you're interpreting the scriptures incorrectly. If he can get you to incorrectly have it, incorrect view of God then he has a foothold on you and so there are a lot of things that need to like you said need to be broken and um it just takes a, a open heart it just takes an open mind so I'm going to slowly break it down to you all next week 
Um, because when, when I was putting this together, I just, I couldn't go any further. So, um, don't hold back. Let's, yeah. Let's, yeah. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to lay it out, but I didn't have time to put it in a slide. You know me, I, I need to put it in a slide form. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have time to put it on, in the slide form for you all. But I'm going to slowly walk you all through that so you can understand where Martin Luther um, and the Protestant movement foundation started. Because this Protestant movement was um, the start of all the denominations that we have today, was a start of where we are today. Mm -hmm. And so um, we have to understand why we believe this way. Why, why, did, why were we Baptists? Why do we believe in church of God in Christ? Everybody wants to go back to the Bible days of how they believe, but you can't get back there because God is progressing forward. And so we, yeah, so it's just a lot. Y'all pray for me. When I, when I first came, when I first was introduced, I was into holiness. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know nothing else about Baptists or no other Christianity or nothing else, no other right. religion but holiness though i just believe you know you either gonna live this life or you're not you know what i'm saying you can be cursed or you can be blessed you do have a decision in your salvation it's up to yeah. you on what you're going to do you know you either going to let and go or you're not you're right. going to choose to live holy or you're not mm -hmm. right right i don't this see is no good. other way okay yep and so we're going to learn how all these denominations even came forth they just had like when you do a study of church history you see that a lot of these den denominations came forth because of they had a disagreement with like it's always baptism they had an issue with or the holy spirit they had an issue with and because they couldn't t come together they split and so you're going to understand like that's not even the way of jesus christ he wants us to be yeah. all one body. So how an arm can be over here and a leg can be over here. We can't even walk together. That's and, good. Yeah. That's good. I think so many things are rooted in the spirit of religion that yeah. you can't get to what the word is truly saying. Right. And you, and you see, like I'm breaking it down throughout mm -hmm. history. This has been going on for thousands of years. This is nothing new. And it's it all comes because we can't agree. And that's how the enemy gets us. He wants us to, to fight amongst each other. He wants us to, to split because of, of something silly like baptism. That's how the enemy gets us. That's because warfare right there. I have a question. Yep. Their son and the Holy Ghost. And another one say you just need to be uh, baptized in Jesus' name. Yeah. Was so yeah, name with that. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I had a question. Mm -hmm. um, I was just wondering, as far as um, just what you were saying, just making sure I have clarity, um, as far as, like, you were saying, because the, the ones who are chosen, per se, you already are chosen, so you really don't have an option, per se, if you're going, if he's chosen you or not, it's just the choice of you deciding how you're going to embrace the calling of what God already has called you to do. Yeah. So you, yeah. So you don't have a choice in, yeah. So you don't have a choice in whether or not you're saved. It's just, you have a choice whether of how you're going to live your saved life. 
Right, because he already yeah. chose you to choose that you were going to be his anyway. Right. So what? So what? Elder Tracy was saying was she saying that basically because of the experience of you know I I'm born I go through the process of like you know I want to choose mm-hmm. Christ as my savior mm-hmm. that that that's that's the way it is more so than what you're saying you really don't yeah have so that's choice. how that's how we be, we we we've grown up to believe that we have a choice oh, I, I know, I, what you were saying i already know but i just was trying to make yeah. sure that that uh, right 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 and that's not yeah. just you know tracy's standpoint it's a lot of people that have no that it, is, yeah, it is but just like yeah. you said because of you studied so much you are you have that particular revelation so right i I was just trying to make sure i was on the same page as where you guys were yeah yeah and i think i think what's going to be challenged is our experience because our experience always trump everything Oh yeah, I already know. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna yeah, have I, to I, that. I know from my own self, if I didn't have my own relationship with God and it, it was only because of my experiences with man, I would have been gave up on God. Right. <laughs> like a long time ago. Like so when I have when I not saying in general everybody else's experience is different, but when I hear people say, um, for me um, I can't personally say like I'm angry at God or I hate God and things mm-hmm. of that nature though be- because because he already knew all of this stuff was going to happen in my life right so it's either I'm going to choose to you know be kind or you know in a positive aspect or I could be negative and be and wallow and all that other stuff you know Mm -hmm. so I just choose not to do that because that's my choice Mm -hmm. though you see other people who make this choice and like oh I hate God for this or why did God take this or why did God do that you know for me I'm for me I don't see him as that way so I know that if I didn't have him and realize all of what has gone in my life that if I didn't have the, the spiritual part, um, the spiritual growth that I have, I'd have been gave up on this life, like, mm-hmm. long time ago, like, completely gave up, and mm-hmm. be like Judas, and be like, look, I'm just gonna betray God, and end it, and we all good, right, just because it's, this life is hard, and mm-hmm. just like you said, you when you do learn these particular things, it's like, man, I need to throw Christianity away. <laughs> and exactly. And that's, that's because something. That's I come to. I'm like, Christianity is nothing really. It's really the particular, um, your relationship with God and where you are spiritually and studying and mm-hmm. really knowing him. Because a lot, like you said, a lot of things that we do in church is not in the Bible. Like when you read the Bible and the stuff that's outside of the Bible that didn't get to go into the Bible, none of this stuff that's over here in America that we do a lot of like almost a hundred percent of the stuff, (laughs) at least 85. It's like, 
that ain't even in the Bible. A lot of stuff that we have our standing our grounds on with everything, you know, with a lot of stuff that that the foundations is based on, like you said, with the because of the separations of the churches and all of that stuff, none of that was even in the beginning of time. So it's like you have to literally um it's like you kind of start over per se when you realize all of these things are um not in the bible they really are not in the bible and when you really read it for yourself you realize like the stuff that they're preaching and the the themes and all this stuff it's like man you you're lying (laughs) like you lying on the word like this none of this has anything to do with god it's like you're trying to twist your opinions to make people either feel good or feel bad about a certain thing and you continue to see the people fall away and it's like we should really be so much stronger with one another because of the power that God has like he has so much power he's very strong there's nothing weak about God though the people who follow him as a whole and as collective us you know loving one another and building one another that is so weak it is so weak so it's like, where in there are we missing? Like, what are we missing? And of course, once you study and all of that stuff, you realize like, oh my goodness, a lot of stuff that you've been believing or a lot of things that you trusted to be true um, in this walk is really not real. It's false. So my, my prayer is that you all remain encouraged as you begin to do your studying and finding out, you know, things that we do are not true or just different, things like that. I encourage that you pull on the Holy Spirit that's inside of you because he, he knows all things. And right oh. now, the Holy Spirit is the superintendent of our life. He's the one controlling us. He's the one that's, um, that's helping us. And so um, definitely lean and depend on him. Right. I can give you so much as a spiritual guide as a leader or whatnot but that holy spirit inside of you will allow you to know whether or not whether i'm saying is true or not okay because i don't want you to take for what i'm saying as bold i want you to do your research i want you to pull on the holy spirit and i want you to develop your own conviction you know what i'm saying so i'm going to like i always say every week i'm going to give you the tools that are needed for you to go and do research because Bible study is hard work. Mm-hmm. And we've been taught over the years that you could just come to church, open up your Bible, go to a scripture, shout and leave. No more of that. You have mm-hmm. to know him for yourself. Right. Can yeah. I say something real quick? Um, yeah. What I'm hearing is, um, so to speak, is that, um, what we are doing is not in the Bible. You know, the things that we are doing in the church uh, is not in the Bible. Well, there is going to be a lot of things that you're going to find that is not going to be in the Bible. And like you say, is we're going to have to lean on the Holy Spirit, you know, to illuminate some things to us. And that's why, you know, when you hear people say that when you read a scripture, you might read it one way, but then God illuminates that scripture yes. to you more and you get more out of it. So we're not going to find everything, you know, in the Bible. And um, I'll say this too, 
is because um, I don't want um, what I just heard to make it seem like what we do in the church is wrong. It is to help us. Um, yeah, so, God, God, yeah and, God is getting glory either way. Yes, and you can, I mean, heart. yes, when we're singing unto the Lord and we're dancing and things like that, you know, and you can feel his anointing, uh, that's a good thing. And, um, you know, there's a lot of that that's written in the Bible that talks about it, but then there's other things that we may do and we may not find it in the Bible, uh, but there's nothing wrong with it. Right, yeah, the, the Lord, he knows our heart as far as that. He knows that we don't know everything. Yeah. So that's why he, that's why grace is so important. Grace is so important to understand in this because God is mm. constantly covering us in our error and our wrong, but he sees our heart. He sees mm -hmm. that we're trying. Mm -hmm. It's an issue when right. you know the truth and you ignore truth. Right. That's right. And, you know, and I can, let's just say, for instance, you know, I can, you know, kind of see, and I'm just saying me, uh, mm -hmm. but I can see myself as Martin Luther, mm -hmm. because I can go to one church and I can hear, you know, what they're saying, and it sounds wrong. And then here I am feeling like Martin Luther saying like, no, that is not right. I'm going in the opposite direction, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because of what the Holy Spirit is yeah. leading and guiding me. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, because I, yeah, like the, like the, the, the example that you just gave, going to different places yeah. here and people preach. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I urge you all to, when you're coming into truth of things, that you give grace to them as well. Because people are going to say things off the wall. You're going to be like, what in the world are they saying? But their heart is pure. <laughs> they, they think that, you know, what they're walking in is right. So our prayer is, Lord, reveal to them the truth of this word. God, illuminate your word to them that they can come out of that error and walk in your truth. So don't be quick to judge. This is, this, I'm talking to myself because this is what I have to really go through. Don't be so quick to judge people. Don't be so quick to see that they're not, you know, where you are. Because scripture says, such were some of you, but you've been washed. So, let's remember that as, as we keep continue to grow in this, that, um, that we have grace for one another or whatnot as well. So, okay. Anybody else? We kind of went over time, but. I was just going to also say that um, just to alleviate any confusion of what was said, um, there is a scripture that Dr. Ron had given us that I can't find. I'll find it when we get off. Mm -hmm. But it talked about how um, we were, that we were chosen beforehand. Like, we really didn't have a choice in it. So hearing that, it goes against what we've always been taught with tradition, because we're taught that we do have to answer the call, but we've already been chosen um, before the foundation of the world. So if I can find that scripture, I'll try to post it somewhere. Yeah, I want to say... Um, about predestination. Um, yeah. Yeah. When you, when you understand, understand that. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a uh, Ephesians. I mean, Romans. I'm at the, yeah. I can't remember because, yeah, I try to find it. Yeah. And I, I guess my only point though, is that I understand that 
um, intellectually, but I also understand that human beings still have to go through the, their steps to get where they need to go. And um, the way that we understand it is that moment of decision, that moment that you decide or accept or whatever you want, label you want to put on it, that moment you come to yourself, how, whatever you want to put on it, there's a moment when there's a change in your life. Right, right. Everybody yeah. has that testimony of when they knew they had made a decision for Christ and their life was different. Yeah, so I think I think yeah, we're saying we're moment. saying the same thing now when you say it say it in that way. We're saying the same thing. Yes. But it's more of coming to like you said a realization of that we have been chosen and it was not on our own accord. I think that's the part that people struggle with. It's not it's nothing on our own effort. It's it's the Holy Spirit uh yes. Telling yeah, I, yeah, Pastor talks about that all the time. He says yeah. that God found you, you didn't find God. So we, we you know, we get that. Yeah, what, yeah. So we're saying the same thing. We're just yeah. just for younger believers. If we have any on the line, I don't want to confuse them in any way because we do. There is a difference between a life for Christ and a life not for Christ. Right of decision in that moment of not decision and we all quote romans 10 9 and 10 all the time and there is something in that there is that moment of decision. right yeah so it's, it's it's like that process i think you just talk about the process of of like receiving him or whatnot that you know we play some part on it but at the end of the day <laughs> it's not it's not our choice Okay, yeah. Uh, April messaged me Ephesians 1 4. Let me uh, look that up. I hope you guys are okay with us going over a little bit, maybe because uh, we're clarifying some things. Let me pull that scripture up. So if you have to jump off, I totally understand. Um, but this is, this is, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have other nights like this, so be prepared. <laughs> Let me pull it up real quick and see. I hope you guys can see my screen. Just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Yep, he chose us before, before the foundations of the world. So it was just, it's just us coming into the realization that he has chosen us. And so when you come into that realization, then there's some things you do. You repent, you know what I'm saying, and give your life, you give your life to him. So that's when you the decide. That, like, that, I was, that I'm thinking about, though, also said that he chose who wouldn't be saved. So that yeah. was kind of deep to me, like, wow. You so know, I'm going to try and find it. Yeah, people wrestle with that. Like, how can we yeah. serve a God? I'm like, oh, exactly. well, I open up this can of worms, but how can we have a God that predestined people to hell? And it's just like, that's right. sovereignty. That's what he decided to do. And in that, we have well, to respect he, In his wisdom, he knows yes. what the end is going to be. So he right. knows that that person will tr truly yield 
and allow the transforming power of Christ to conform them to the image of the Son, or will they just continue to choose themselves? So. Right. That's a whole nother class, the sovereignty of God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll tell you one thing, one picture that I have in my head about the predestination. Um, and it might seem a little bit odd when I first start to share it, but I hopefully it will make sense. We are finite, but let's say we have a couple of people, whether they're roommates, husband and wife, whatever, that have a fight in the morning and one of the, they leave angry, but one of them comes home and prepares dinner, et cetera, et cetera, and prepares a lovely evening. That person is predestinating a beautiful night because they know that the other person's gonna come in contrite and with apologies. So sure enough, it happens, the person walks in with, you know, but the evening was already prepared for them. So in our finite sense, we do a little predestinating ourselves, but God in his infinite wisdom, he knows, like Tammy just said, that somebody's gonna make a decision for him, somebody's gonna make a decision not for him. So he just puts it all in order. Okay, you're not coming. You're coming, you're not coming. You're mine, you're not mine. It's not necessarily like somebody was like, oh Lord, I wanna be saved. But then he said, I'm sorry, you're not in there. That's not, you know, the picture that I have in my head of the predestination. It's he knows, like Tammy said, who would come to him and who would make a decision for him and who wouldn't. And he just lines it all up this is going to happen for you. This is not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I don't want to open up this can of worms. But in Matthew 7, it says that on that day, many will cry, Lord, Lord. <laughs> Did we not, not that in your name and mm -hmm. do this? But he'll say, I know you not. Depart from me. So <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave on that, though. <laughs> that doesn't mean they had the right heart. I understand what you're saying, but, yeah, that, that's another. Yeah, topic. that's another class. Predestination is another class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, amen. So I just pray for you all as you um, go through your studies and things like that. It's just, like I said, leaning depending on the Holy Spirit. Your leaders are here to help. And if you guys have any questions afterwards, you know, but I'm going to, for the, I didn't plan this, but it got to be the Holy Spirit. So for the next few weeks, I'm going to lay out some, some skeletons of justification and sanctification, things like that. So we can finally understand why we are, you know, the, in the place that we are now as a church. Okay. So, um, are there any other questions, anything, concerns? Okay, I thank you all for being engaged. So let me just pray for you all. Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for this group of, um, of believers, God, disciples of Christ, who really have a heart to do your will. And I thank you, God, for the charge that is, that is on their life, oh God, that you're raising up these strong women, of, women and men of God 
to carry out your word, oh God, and to take in, God, um, what is being taught. And I pray, oh God, that the Holy Spirit would just continue to illuminate the word, oh God. And I pray, oh God, that they are um, have this press to keep o- obeying your word and keep growing in that sanctification mode to, to the point where they, they um, earn rewards in heaven and they earn their crown in heaven, oh God. So I pray, oh God, in their study time that the Holy Spirit would just allow them to understand what is, what is going on and the charge that they need to do, God. I pray, oh God, that their purpose God will come um, in full picture, oh God. I pray, oh God, that you will push them, God, into the area, God, that they need to go in. I pray, oh God, that they're able to walk um, the walk that you're calling for them to do, to, to, to walk in, God. And I pray, oh God, that they will be true kingdom ambassadors, God, that they know what to preach and they know what to say because they lean and depend and rely on you, God, only God. And so God, I pray, oh God, that hearts are mended, that minds are being changed, minds are transformed, God. God, um, we give you all the praise, glory, and honor. God, all the praise, glory, and honor in, in your name we pray, amen. You guys have a good night, love you guys. And I'll see you all tomorrow. Good night. Good night. Thank you. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Love you. Love you guys.